As you may have figured out from the translation of these verses that today's lesson is a little technical, right? We're going to be learning about legal retaliation, the law of inheritance as well. So for that, we need to be very, 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 very focused. And we have to pay a lot of attention. So don't think about food, don't think about water. No matter how hungry or thirsty you are, don't think about juice, don't think about your iftar, just focus on the class right now. Alhamdulillah, we did the verses of كُلُوا مِن طَيِّبَاتِ مَا رَزَّقْنَاكُمْ already. Alhamdulillah, last week we covered that. That was one of the first commands we read. So that came before fasting, right? So now, inshallah, let's focus on the other commands. Surah Al-Baqarah is a Madani surah, and you know that in Medina, after the Prophet ﷺ migrated from Mecca, then all of the laws were revealed. All of the laws that Muslims are supposed to practice in a Muslim land, those were revealed. Because you know that Medina was the first Islamic state. And one of the first commands that the Muslims were given was about eating that which is halal, eating that which is tayyib. Because you have to fix your eating first. And as a result of that, the other actions, the other parts of your life will also improve. And now inshallah we will learn about many other commands. Commands related to legal retribution with regards to criminal prosecution. Meaning if a person is a murderer, he has murdered someone, how is he supposed to be prosecuted? What has to be done? Then likewise inheritance, when a person dies, he leaves behind an estate, some property. How is that supposed to be distributed amongst the people? Then likewise we will also learn about divorce laws. Also about marriage. Also about the idda about the waiting period of a woman after her divorce or after her husband has passed away. So inshallah, now another chapter of Surah Baqarah will open up for us, inshallah. One more thing that we will learn about is the rules regarding fasting. The rules regarding fasting also, inshallah, in the next lesson. So let's begin this lesson. لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ Righteousness, piety, is not that you turn your faces towards east or the west. Meaning this is not all that righteousness is about. This is not all that piety is about. Righteousness is not limited to facing the east or facing the west when you're praying salah. No, the scope of righteousness is much more vast. We learned at the beginning of the Jews about the command of the change of Qibla. The believers were told to face the Kaaba instead of Bayt al-Maqdis in their salah. And this command was mentioned repeatedly. Isn't it so? We read this command again and again, that wherever you are, فَأَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ فَوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ Then turn your face towards the Qibla, towards the Kaaba. So the command was given repeatedly with a lot of emphasis. Now many times it happens that if something is told to us, if we are informed about something and it's emphasized a lot, we think that this is the only thing that's important. For example, if we were to emphasize a lot that you have to do your lesson seven times, then you might think that the course is all about doing your lesson seven times. A person might think, oh, coming to class is not as important, doing other stuff is not as important, only doing the lesson seven times is the only essential thing. But is that the case? No. Something is emphasized, something is told again and again. Why? To show you that it is important. But it does not mean that other things are unimportant. 
that other things are not necessary. Now, what happens is that people, you can say they they identify themselves with the religion in different ways. That one person, he enjoys, let's say, fasting. Another person, he enjoys reciting the Qur'an. Another person, he loves to help the needy, the poor. So each person thinks that the action that he is doing is the best action. You ask anybody, why do you think you're studying the Qur'an? And they will say, because it's the best thing to do. Allah says, in the hadith we learn, خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَّمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ So studying the Qur'an is the best thing. And likewise, another person might be asked, why are you memorizing the Qur'an? He might say, it's the best thing. Another person might be asked, why do you volunteer in you know food drives and food banks and so on and so forth? He might say that feeding the poor and the needy is the most important thing to do. So each person thinks that the part of religion that he is holding on to, the part of religion that he is focusing on, is the most important. And sometimes we get lost into that so much that we begin to neglect other things. We begin to look down on other acts of piety, on other acts of righteousness. And we think that what we are doing is the best. So this ayah corrects us that righteousness is not limited to one particular action. Piety is not just about one action. And especially the zahiri, the visible, the outward. Because we learned that the Bani Israel, what had they done? They had divided themselves up. They faced the Baytul Maqdas in their prayers. But some of them, the Jews, they faced one side. And the Christians, they faced the other side. They even divided themselves up. And they thought that because we are facing the West, we are more righteous. They said, because we are facing the East, we are more righteous. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala corrects this thinking of ours over here. That don't become so proud in that one good deed that you're holding on to, that you begin to neglect and look down on other good things. Because the scope of righteousness is much, much vast. And in this verse, in this verse, this verse is also known as Ayatul Bir. The verse of Bir. And Bir is piety, righteousness. In this verse, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned so many different, different kinds of good deeds. And this is something that we need to focus on as well. And the month of Ramadan reminds us of that. That it happens throughout the year. We're so involved in, for example, just reciting the Qur'an, or so busy in, let's say, just volunteering somewhere. The month of Ramadan comes and reminds us that we also have to fast. We also have to pray qiyam. There's also other things that we have to do that are also very, very valuable. So let's look at this ayah. لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ لَيْسَ الْبِرْ بِرْ بَا رَا رَا What is بِرْ? Piety, righteousness, goodness, when a person does a good deed. And from the same root is the word بَرْ. And بَرْ is the opposite of بَحْر. بَحْر is sea, water. And بَرْ, the opposite of that, land. Now if you think about it, on land, what do you see? Just soil? Just mud? Or is there anything else that you find on land as well? What else do you find on land? Okay, trees. But is it only one type of trees? No. There's so many different, different types of trees. 
Likewise, is it only trees that you find on a piece of land? No, you also find grass, you also find shrubs. And it's not just trees and plants, but you also find animals, also insects, also birds, right? You also find rocks, you find different, different types of soil. So we see that bar is full of variety. And also bar, vast. So bir, it gives the meaning of vastness and it also gives the meaning of variation, of variety. And this is why bir is understood as al-khayrul kathir, abundant good, a lot of good. So bir is to perform different, different types of good deeds. Not just one or two here and there, but a lot, many. And not just of the same type, but of different, different kinds as well. Hajj, that is mabrur. Have you heard of that? Hajj al-mabrur. Hajj mabrur is a hajj in which a person has performed many, many types of good deeds. A lot of variety. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that true piety, all piety, is not just that antuwallu wa'ulamya, that you turn, wujuhakum, wujuh is the plural of waj, your face, qibal, towards, and we have done this word before, in the direction of, al-mashriq, the east, wal-maghrib, or the west. This is not all that piety is about. Piety is not just about facing the qibla in prayer. It doesn't mean that facing the qibla in prayer is not important. It is important. But it is not the only thing that is important. Sometimes it happens that people get so firm about what they believe in. They become so strong about what they think is important that they ignore other things completely. Or they completely brush them aside. For example, if a person believes that, you know, when you pray salah, you have to keep your hands here, or the men have to keep their hands here, then whenever they're praying, and they're looking at other people, or they're noticing other people around them, what are they focusing on? Okay, where is this person's hands? Are they going to raise their hands or not? How do they do sajda? Instead of focusing on prayer, what are they focused on? The mechanical aspect of salah. Correct? So the khushur, the devotion, the fear, all of that is lost. In what? In focusing on the technical aspects. The technical aspects are important, but they're not the only thing. So لَيْسَ الْبِرَّ أَن تُوَلُّوا وُجُوهَكُمْ قِبَلَ الْمَشْرِقِ وَالْمَغْرِبِ And all piety is not just in salah. All piety is not just in some acts of worship. But there Piety includes many different different types of good deeds. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ But bir, true piety, real piety, is what? مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ Is the one who believes in Allah. The true piety is of the one who believes in Allah. Now if you look at the words, وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ Bir is what? Something. It's an act. Good deed. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the true piety is man amana billah, the one who believes in Allah. How can a person be a good deed? Do you get my question? How can a person be a good deed? What it means over here is that true piety is the piety of the one who believes in Allah. Real righteousness is the righteousness of the one who believes in Allah. 
And this is also for the purpose of, you know, really showing how very righteous the person is who believes in Allah. Because in Arabic, if a person does something a lot, then they're called by that action. For example, a person is called Rajulun Adlun. Adl is justice. A justice man. Doesn't make sense. What does it mean? A man who is very, very just. He is identified with his justice. He is known by his justice. So likewise, وَلَكِنَّ الْبِرَّ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ What does it mean? That true piety, real piety, is of the person who believes in Allah. Meaning, the first and foremost thing in righteousness is what? To have the correct faith. To have complete faith. To have conviction. And the first and foremost thing when it comes to iman is belief in Allah. When it comes to belief in Allah, what does that mean? That a person believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence. But is that all? That a person believes, yes, there is God. I don't know His name, I don't know His attributes, I don't worship Him, no, but I know there is God. Is that sufficient? What else is important? Believing in His attributes, believing in His oneness, But okay, a person says, yes, there is one God. I believe in Him. And I believe in His attributes. I know that He's very merciful. I know that He's very forgiving. I know that He's very just. But is that it? Is that it? Is that complete faith? What is required of a person if he has such a belief? That he has to prove it too. He has to show that too. Which means that a person must also believe in uluhiyah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that Allah is the ilah. He is the God. And God means that you worship Him. You surrender to Him. You put your head down before Him. So man amana billah, that he believes in Allah's existence, he believes in Allah's lordship, he believes in Allah's uluhiyah, he believes in Allah's attributes, his names and attributes, So when a person has such belief, only then he will have true piety. And here we need to reflect a little. Many people claim, I love God. I have a lot of faith. But when it comes to prayer, they don't want to pray. When it comes to doing what Allah wants them to do, they want to do that. So is that true faith? It's not. That faith is incomplete. It's deficient. Belief in Allah means that a person relies upon Allah, that a person surrenders himself before Allah, that a person will obey Allah, that a person will sacrifice for the sake of Allah, a person will do whatever he does for the pleasure of Allah, that Allah will be his topmost priority. So man amana billah, belief in Allah is essential. And if you think about it, this belief is the cause of many, many good deeds. When a person believes in Allah, can he forgive? Can he forgive? How? How can he forgive if he believes in Allah? With the hope that I will forgive and Allah will reward me. If a person has belief in Allah, can he be patient at times of difficulty? Yes, he can be. Because he will be patient with the hope that Allah will fix that problem for him. Allah will create ease for him. So, belief in Allah is the foundation of many, many good deeds. But is belief in Allah sufficient? Along with belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
other parts of iman are also very essential. Which is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ And also the last day. Meaning He believes in the last day as well. What is the last day? Al-Akhir, Hamza Khara. Last day. If you think about last piece of cake, what does it mean? After that there is no cake. Okay? Last child, what does that mean? There is no more child after that. Last book, there is no more book after that. So likewise, last day, meaning there's no more day after that. After that, it's only eternity. Whatever begins will not end. In this dunya, what happens? The day begins and then it comes to an end. Correct? The sun rises and then it sets. The day changes and then it changes again. But the day of judgment is such that after that, there will be no more change. After that is only eternity. So, وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ He believes in the last day as well. And belief in the last day means that a person believes in everything that will come from the moment of death until eternity. From the moment of death that the angels come to take the soul. That after that, there is barzakh. There is a time period that a person has to spend until the day of judgment. In the grave, barzakh, the illiyin, the sijin. Then the day of judgment, the blowing of the trumpet, the gathering of the people, the hisab, the accounting that will take place, all of what is mentioned to us with regards to the matters of the hereafter that is included in Al-Yawm Al-Akhir, including Jannah and Nar. So he also believes in the day of judgment. Meaning, he believes that the hereafter is the real abode. And this dunya is only temporary. He's focused on the akhirah. His focus is not on dunya. وَالْيَوْمِ akhir. وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ And also the angels. He also believes in the angels. Because if you think about it, belief in the day of judgment would be incomplete without belief in the angels. A person cannot have complete belief in the day of judgment unless and until he also believes in the angels. Because if you think about it, who's going to blow the trumpet? Who's going to blow the trumpet? An angel. Right? Who's going to come to take your soul at the time of your death? An angel. Who's going to test you in the grave? Two angels. Who's going to come on the day of judgment with your record? The angels. So, belief in the angels is a part of believing in the day of judgment. وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ وَالْكِتَابِ And also the book. Which book? The book that Allah has revealed. And we know that there isn't only one book that Allah has revealed, but Allah has revealed many, many books. So true righteousness is of the one who believes in all of the books that Allah has revealed. And what does it mean by believing in the books? That a person believes they were revealed by Allah, that they contain facts, they contain guidance for people, they contain that which is beneficial for people, they lead people to guidance away from error. This is belief in the books. But is that enough that a person says, yeah, the Qur'an is the best book, it's the book of guidance, but I don't know how to read it. I don't have time to study it. I don't have time to recite it. I find it very difficult to read it, so I don't bother to do that. Is that enough? No. Belief in the books means that a person also gives the haqq of the books, the rights of the book. And you know about the rights of the Qur'an. That a person believes in it, a person recites it, a person 
studies it, a person reflects on it, and a person also tells others about it. So wal-kitab, one nabiyyin and the prophets. And nabiyyin is a plural of an nabi. And who is an nabi? Prophet. So he also believes in the prophets. Notice the plural. Not just an nabi, as in Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. No, but all of the prophets whom Allah sent. Because if a person rejects even one prophet, even one messenger, is his faith acceptable? Is his iman complete? It's not. So believing in all of the prophets is essential. So we see that piety, righteousness, firstly includes iman. It means that a person must have complete iman. That a person does not pick and choose. Okay, I'll believe in this, but I don't believe in that. No. He believes without any discrimination. Whatever Allah has told, whatever Allah has informed us of, He believes in that. Because the foundation of righteousness is what? Iman, the correct faith. But then after Iman comes, action as well. After Iman comes, action as well. And this is why Allah says, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ وَآتَ And He gave. Hamzata ya. That this person, the Ba'ar, the righteous person, he gives al-mal, the wealth. What is mal? Mal is from the root letters mim wa lam. If somebody were to ask you, what is wealth? What would you say? How would you describe it? Everything that is valuable. So wealth is not just cash. It's not just money. But it is everything that has some value. That is what mal is. It could be money, it could be clothes, it could be food, it could be you know a person's assets, it could be his possessions, whatever a person owns. So can you think about the things that you own? Things that belong to you, car, your iPod, house, your jewelry. What else do you own? Your stationery. Your clothes, your books, your knowledge is a kind of wealth, it's rizq. Your food, your glasses. So basically it's anything that you own. Because whatever you own, it has some value, doesn't it? You bought it, or somebody else bought it for you. You paid something for it at least. You know, even if it's a plastic bag you have to pay five cents for it. It's not free anymore, except for some places, right? So even that is mal. Anything that you own, anything that has some value is mal. So Allah says that He gives, this person He gives wealth, meaning of what He owns. He gives to who? He gives to others. But why does He give it? Ala hubbihi. Ala hubbihi. This is very beautiful. Ala upon hubbihi. Hubbihi is understood in two ways. First of all, hubbi and he refers to Allah. He refers to Allah. Meaning, he gives wealth. Why? Out of love for Allah. 
because of his love that he has for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He loves Allah and this is why he spends wealth. Why? Why is it necessary to spend your wealth if you love Allah? We learned earlier that وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ And you know these things that we own, whether it's an iPod, or it could be your hijab, it could be your favorite pen, it could be your favorite paper clip, right? Anything that you own, what happens is that you get attached to it. And this is the reason why if somebody takes it without our permission, we get upset. Isn't it so? If somebody breaks it, if somebody ruins it, we get very angry. If somebody loses it, or if we lose it even, we become very impatient. So what happens is that these things that we own, they are such that we fall in love with them, and then they make us forget our real purpose. They distract us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the reason why they spend their wealth out of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also, when a person spends his wealth in the way of Allah, then this is the way of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a person spends in the way of Allah, then whose pleasure is he gaining? The pleasure of Allah. Allah says in the Quran, لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ You can never attain piety until you spend out of what you love. What you love, you have to give away. When you will give it, then you will attain piety. Then you will become righteous. And we see that once there was a companion, his name was Abu Talha. And when he heard this ayah that لَن تَنَالُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ he thought to himself that I have something which I really love and if I give that away, then I can attain piety. And what is it that he really loved? It was a particular garden that he had in Medina. A garden, an orchard. And you can imagine, a person who has a property. And especially people who farm, their property is very, very beloved to them. Look at how honest he was with himself. He said, you know, this is something that I love and I have to give this in the way of Allah. And he went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that I've heard this verse and I love this property of mine and I want to give it in the way of Allah. Please take it from me and do whatever you wish to with it. And the Prophet ﷺ said that this is profitable wealth. Meaning this is wealth from which you're going to gain a lot of profit. And he told him that you divide it, you distribute it amongst your relatives. He told him to distribute it amongst his relatives. So, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ And he gives of his wealth. Why? Because of the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants to attain the love of Allah. This is the reason why he spends. And we know that when a person spends in the way of Allah, Allah multiplies the reward for that person. And whatever a person gives in the way of Allah, Allah will replace that with something that is even better. فَهُوَ يُخْلِفُهُ He replaces that. And when a person gives in the way of Allah, then Allah accepts it with His right hand. And He causes that sadaqah, that charity to grow. Just like a person would take care of a foal, a baby horse, how a person would take care of it, and eventually that baby, that foal, it grows until it's a strong horse. Likewise, a sadaqah that a person gives in the way of Allah, Allah causes it to grow. So, 
When a person wants to attain the love of Allah, then he will spend out of his wealth for the sake of Allah. Then he will not become stingy. Then he will not become selfish. Rather, he will give. And it will be very easy for him to give. Because his priority is Allah. Everything else is secondary. The phone, the iPod, whatever you call it, it's secondary. It's not hard to give that away. Now this is the month of Ramadan. And this is the month of Rahmat. This is the month that is Mubarak. And in this month, we have to set a target for ourselves that what is it that we are going to spend in the way of Allah. I want you to write down three things. Realistic. Don't say, I'm going to spend a thousand dollars and you don't even have a thousand dollars. No. Realistic things. What is it that you can give in the way of Allah this month? It could be money, it could be food, it could be some of your belongings. And it doesn't mean that you have to go find a person who's barely clothed, who has barely eaten anything, and only then you know you give something to him. You can even give something to a person who is well off, a person who has sufficient. Because inshallah as we will learn, they give to their relatives. So it could be, you know, a new, let's say, very nice shower gel you got, and you got it for yourself, okay? And you love its fragrance, but your cousin is here, so you think, okay, I'm going to give it to her as a Ramadan gift, as a Ramadan present. So make a list of three things right now that you're going to do, because if we don't make a plan, then we fail to do anything. One, two, three. Okay, now do it. Don't let this get lost in your juz. Those of you who wrote this in your juz. Okay, make sure you do it. So, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ Another meaning of this, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ حُبِّهِ It refers to wealth itself. Meaning he gives it, he gives wealth in spite of love for it. He spends something even though he loves to keep it. He gives it away even though he loves to have it. You know, for example, you could have two hijabs. okay? And one hijab is one that you really like. You love to wear it. It's very comfortable. It looks good on you. Perfect fabric. It sits very nicely on your head. And there's another one that you hardly ever wear. Somebody gave it to you as a gift. You wore it once and you're like, no, it's not, I don't think I can wear it. So when you're thinking of giving something away, what would you think of giving away? The one that you don't generally use. The one that you don't like. What do we learn from here? That he spends وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ In spite of love for it. Despite the fact that he loves that object, he loves that wealth, he loves that property, he loves that thing. Why? Because again, the love for Allah is more than the love for that thing. وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ In the Qur'an we learn, in Surah Al-Insan, that وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا And they give food in spite of love for it. Meaning they love to eat that food. It's delicious. It's their favorite chocolate bar. It's the sandwich that they've been craving. It's that samosa that they were looking at since before iftar. And now it's either they have it or somebody else has it. وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ They feed food even though they love to have it themselves. Who? 
to yatim, to the orphan, to miskin, to the needy, to the yatim, and to the asir, to the prisoner. And they say, إِنَّمَا نُطْعِمُكُمْ لِوَجْهِ اللَّهِ We are feeding you because we want the wajh of Allah. We want the pleasure of Allah. لَا نُرِيدُ مِنْكُمْ جَزَاءً وَلَا شُكُورًا We don't want any recompense from you. We don't want any reward from you. We don't want any thanks from you. We're doing this for the sake of Allah. وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ So when you give something this month, make sure you love it. Don't just get rid of things. Give what you love. And the fact is that you can never have that true pleasure of worshipping Allah until you make that sacrifice. When you sacrifice, that is what will bring you the true pleasure. So, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ Now, the thing is that a person can give to so many people. Or a person might think, who should I give to? I don't see any poor people here. Only when I go downtown, then I see some people who beg and they're probably drug addicts, so I shouldn't be giving anything to them anyway. This is what people think, right? So who do we give it to? Where should we spend? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, The will qurba. The will qurba. The close relatives. The we is a plural of dhu. Dhu, possessor. Qurba, qafraba, close relationship. So those people who have a close relationship with you, they are the first ones. Of course. Of course, definitely. The will qurba, close relatives, does not mean that they have to be poor. So only then you give it to them. No. Close relatives, anybody. Whether they are needy or they are not needy. But definitely if they are needy, then you must spend on them. And even though they are not needy, still you should give to them. Because spending on close relatives, it brings us double reward. Spending on relatives, it brings what? Double reward. In a hadith we learn that sadaqah given to a poor person is just charity. Meaning you only get one reward for what? For charity. But sadaqah given to the relatives is both sadaqah and silah. You get the reward of giving charity, spending, and you also get the reward of maintaining good relationships with your relatives. So you could give one thing to a person whom you don't know at all, Okay, good. But when you give to your relative, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your in-laws, your relatives, then that will bring you more reward. Why? Because you are also doing the good deed of Silatul Rahim. Yes. Exactly. Giving to people whom you don't know. Very easy. You know why? Because you're not going to say, Oh, What is this that you're giving to me? They're not going to criticize your gift. They're not going to criticize your charity. Nor are they going to tell others about it. Even if they tell others about it, others don't know about you, so who cares? But if you give a gift, if you give something to a close relative, then what happens? They might say, Oh, you got this for me? Really? What happened? I thought you would get something nicer. And even if they say it in a joking way, it hurts. And sometimes there's also like competition amongst relatives. Competition for more, for better. Amongst siblings also you can see. You give, let's say, a nice notebook, a nice set of pens to your brother or to your sister. Now that means they have it and you don't have it. Or even if you have it, now they have the same thing as yours. 
and you don't like that. You like the fact that you had something they didn't have. And now you have it and they have it. So you have to have something that they don't have. So you see there's this competition. And it's something very deep down, very hidden in our hearts that we don't generally talk about. But such feelings are present. So giving to the relatives is harder. Pleasing your relatives is more challenging. And sometimes you have a lot of expectations from your relatives as well. You expect from them that if they have come back from a trip, they should give you a gift. That if you've graduated, they should give you a gift. On Eid, they should call you. They should have you over. And if they don't do that, you get so disappointed, so hurt that you're like, I'm never calling them again. And then you read, وَآتَ الْمَالَ عَلَى حُبِّهِ ذَا الْقُرْبَةِ The person whom you thought, I'm not going to talk to them again. I'm not going to invite them again. They have said such harsh things to my mother. They've treated us so rudely. I'm never looking at them again. But then what happens? You have to spend on them. You have to sacrifice more. So this is why more reward. The will qurba. 